And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course. And it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. And we continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope. And we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX-11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX-10 now on sale and get RX-11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hi, Maria. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Where are you? I'm in Oakland, California. Oakland? I like Oakland. Yeah? Have you yeah. spent time in Oakland? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. I lived just east of it in the Burbs in Pleasanton for a few years. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did you but, like that? Oh, it was okay. You know, <laughs> suburban California high school guy, skateboarding in Oakland and San Francisco. Sick. Going to shows in Berkeley. That's what Love I did. That. Yeah. Sweet. How is it these days? Uh, I love it. It's, you do? yeah, it's definitely, there's certain aspects of it that are trying, like, it's hard to find good rent, but mm-hmm. um, everyone, you know, in love, we figure it out together. And uh, I just love like the place itself, getting around on my bike and the sunshine, and yeah, hearing people play amazing music and being near water. It's all amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Did you grow up in Oakland? No, I'm from Ohio. Oh, where in Ohio? Uh, Southern Ohio, near Kentucky, mm. the suburbs. All right. <laughs> what was your uh, What was your relationship with with music growing up? My dad is a pianist and an organist, and my mom loved to sing around the house. And encouraged mm-hmm. me to sing too. Lots of listening to the radio in the car 
in Cincinnati, there's a station called Warm 98. I've been listening to my dad's various cassettes on rotation. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did your dad listen to? Um, my dad listens to, of course, a lot of classical music, mm-hmm. 80s hits, and then, then the cassettes that he had in his car when I was a kid were Andy Gibbs' Greatest Hits. Nice. Uh, a compilation of 70s trucker songs mm-hmm. by this guy, C.W. McCall. <laughs> do you know him? I don't. I do. I'm going to find out soon okay. as soon as we're done here, though. <laughs> I don't know why it sounds so charming to me. <laughs> it's pretty charming. Um, and like the simply like contemporary Christian stuff, like missionary mm-hmm. tapes, that kind of thing. <laughs> Did you grow up with lots of religion in your home? Yeah, I grew up going to church for sure. My parents are Christian. I sang at my church growing up. Mm. And did you have formal musical training or growing up or did you go to shows sort of informally or all of the above? I took voice lessons for a very long time, almost 10 years. Whoa. And have carried that with me since. I'm really grateful for that training, even though I, I didn't really learn much about like music in a formal sense. I can't mm-hmm. sight read or I don't really know theory, but um, I know how to use my voice and understand it's like contours and boundaries and limits and how to push that but maintain my health yeah yeah it does and you can hear it on your on your new record spike field i love it for one i'm Thank listening you. to it a lot last couple of days um for me it's a, a sort of sonically elongated trip of ambience and and a lot of acoustic guitar a little folky and of course some choral arrangements here and there um and one thing that kind of dawned on me this morning when i was listening to it is it reminds me a little bit of of uh thurston moore's acoustic moments and or the six organs of admittance have you heard that band i have yeah yeah beautiful i love that thank you <laughs> but it's it's um it's a beautiful record and sonically and and then lyrically what i'm gathering is um this record's addressing how we look at our past selves and uh, maybe our now selves or or potentially future selves it, it's such a perfect marriage because the the music's so expansive you can kind of you know metaphorically look to your left if that's the past and listen and then kind of it's just a perfect soundtrack for that exercise thank you that's beautiful you nailed it to sum that up in the stupidest way ever no no, (laughs) thank you yeah i'm really interested in my music and in my writing and thinking in general about how the past how memory intrudes on the present and by dint of that guides us into the future or like narrows or directs our path. And the idea, which is very interesting to me, but I can't honestly say I really have a grasp on um, the record title Spike Field. How does that relate to, to this idea? The Spike Field 
title comes from this concept that my friend introduced me to this field of study called nuclear semiotics. Um, a bunch of scientists got together in like the late 20th century and tried to come up with a series of designs to communicate to humans in the far future that they should not uh, settle or build on certain areas of land in which radioactive nuclear waste had been buried or disposed of. And one of the design concepts that they came up with was called the spike field or this kind of um, this environmental architectural structure where they like would arrange huge spikes in irregular shapes and angles or sizes in order to communicate without language that that's an area that people should stay away from. Um, This is like, we're talking like 10,000 years in the future conceptually. So you can't rely on language and certain forms of, yeah, communicating that we take for granted, I guess. Um, Yeah. And so, and so that, that relates to the record and that I felt as an image, it tied in some of the ideas I was toying with or touching on repeatedly throughout the record of like failures of communication, inherent distance between self and other and mm-hmm. failures of language. And also, as you said, the kind of through line or like interconnectedness between past, present, future. Yeah. That's cool. I, I started kind of reading about what Spike Fields was and I, I got a little intimidated and I was like, what? I don't, I couldn't understand if it was the nuclear threat of a, a kind of put a practicality on it and it threw me off. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to understand this. But now I do. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it is silly to think about. It's like both very, as a concept, very like, I think, really optimistic i'm definitely of the persuasion that like climate catastrophe at least given the path we're on right now is gonna like get us all before right we have to worry about protecting the people like ten thousand years (laughs) in the future from like our radioactive waste or whatever but um (laughs) also i think it's very pessimistic in that it assumes that our methods of like preserving our history now are going to inevitably be lost by that point wonderful and scary and scary that's freaky one one of the songs on this this record i've 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 read a little bit about and um it's called watcher and it was very interesting to me because people don't do this very often especially uh, lyric writers and what you're doing is you're you're talking about other people's painful experiences, trauma possibly, and trying to figure out how to be there for them and maybe support them. And just the idea was very striking. I I, I just don't hear that outwardness in um, lyrics. And 
I think it's just such a beautiful and kind of caring notion. Where does that come from? Are you are you a a giver, a a provider type person? And if you say no, doesn't mean you're uh, you're selfish. Uh, a, a water bearer, if you're into astrology. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, um, I think I'm very preoccupied with care in general, just as mm-hmm. someone who loves love and loves people. And it's, I think, a, a universal struggle, if I'm not being presumptuous, it's like having to face the reality of someone else's pain and feel not like the frustration, but just like the kind of like trials of figuring out how to bridge that gap between like what you're feeling and what they're feeling and how to be there for them and show up for them in a way that isn't just watching, you know, it's like that. I think that's truly what constitutes love is figuring out how to make someone feel not alone in their Mm -hmm. pain. Well, I'd like to uh, play Watcher. Is that cool with you? I would love that. All right, here we go.
beautiful song. It's killer. Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about how you record. I think these records sound great. I think your choice of reverbs and things like that is beautiful. And it, land, it all, it's also cohesive and it sounds like in the studio thoughtful. Mm. How, how do you typically record or write? I typically write uh, by coming up with a chord progression on guitar and singing over that eventually that turns into full structure with melody and I that I then uh, put lyrics to and then from there I start recording a skeleton of the song and kind of by trial and error creating an arrangement for it I use just one mic on Highland I used just a one dynamic mic and then Mm -hmm. for uh spike field i upgraded to a condenser mic which Mm -hmm. is so sick (laughs) um (laughs) truly like made a world of difference um but still yeah just use one mic and i'm i'm like i'm not a perfectionist i'm just trying to stay excited about what i'm working on and try not to get too hung up on the details and follow my instincts yeah mm-hmm. and the I think the the beauty of recording at home or re- doing everything yourself outside of a studio and um doing everything like on your own time is that you can work slowly and that's definitely how I work. <laughs> you work slowly? That's Very funny because I, I was about to ask you if you worked fast because you said you're not a perfectionist. I worked with people who aren't perfectionists and they work super fast. But I was going to ask you if you worked fast, but you work slow. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that if I could work fast, maybe I'd be more of a perfectionist. But um, right. I have to, I, I'm kind of a just like, dreamy spacey guy so (laughs) that has to be a part of the process (laughs) yeah so you you did do all of this yourself at home that's right yeah for for this album though i did have someone else mix it my friend rory Mm -hmm. who makes music as o'day um they they mixed Mm -hmm. the record as opposed to highland my first album which where i did Everything except the mastering. Yeah. Was it a relief to have someone else? It was mix? intimidating. I was really nervous about it. Um, cause it, it's like, it's a huge, huge part of the process. And, um, especially with my music, which is pretty reverb laden and the way that like sounds fill out the space is like essential to the music uh it felt like relinquishing a lot of control to someone else and i really wanted it to be someone i trusted and fortunately rory and i like built that trust right away so i'm really happy with what they did and how it turned out yeah the few records that i've made on my own or two of them I mixed. And then the last one, I started mixing it. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't, I want someone else to do this. But my regret is I shouldn't have even started. I should have just given it to them because I started mm-hmm. having ideas 
and their ideas wound up being mm. way better. But I had these ideas and then I was just stuck on them for so long. Even if, you know, the record came out and I was like, why didn't I do that? But now I know it's better. Yeah, I, I do think that it's like as amazing as it is to mix your own music and feel like, yeah, you had that perfect total control of everything. It's like also a yeah. special kind of hell <laughs> to be fully responsible yeah, yeah, for every is. choice that was made. <laughs> oh God, it is. Yeah. Um, have you been touring? How do you play? Well, I have two questions. Have you been touring and, and what is your instrumentation live? How do you present this new record? I, I have been touring. Um, I kind of, well, for, for what I'm doing on stage, it's, it's vocals, guitar, and some electronics as well, looping and triggering of samples. And uh, when I can, I like to have someone else on stage with me. I've done that in a few different configurations. Most recently, uh, did this like West Coast tour with my friend Violet, who was doing synths and textures. And um, I'm about mm. to go on tour in February on the East Coast. And there, my friend Nell is going to be playing with me, but she's going to be doing guitar and vocals. So it, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm not the kind of person who wants to get on stage and play my songs exactly how they sound on the record, because it's just like, I would just get so frustrated by that. Like I'm not trying to recreate yeah. something that isn't exciting to me. Um, I want, yeah. I, I am able to like stay connected with my own work. If I'm hearing other people's interpretations on it on stage or like just hearing it in a new way. So you have a um, East coast tour coming up. You yes, said in that's February. Right. I'll be I'll be there too. It sounds like a bad idea for us West Coasters. Yeah, do I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, sweet. Um, what else do you do there in Oakland besides make music and ride your bike? <laughs> I mean, that's enough. Yeah, I guess. those are the big things. <laughs> um, what else do I do in Oakland? I mean, I have day jobs. Yeah, I hang out with my friends, sit outside and read, and like look at the flowers it's like i don't know it's like this is the best city in the world i'm like trying to constantly be outside doing things or like you know last night literally just went to the ocean and put on all my layers and looked at the stars until like 12 30 at night like it's like this Whoa. is yeah, this is the best place in the world. Everyone, should... <laughs> yeah, That's great to yeah. Hear. Then, so my life is kind of just like that kind of thing. <laughs> cool, cool. And uh, I'm just gonna—I don't know if I'll keep this in there, but do you ride a bike for commuting, for sport, for all of, all the, of above? the above? I'm a little bit nerdy. About yeah, bikes. all of the above. I'm not like tech. I'm not like a bike nerd, really. I like it mm -hmm. for the endorphins and um i have some like weird issue with like directions i'm like constantly disoriented i can never tell like which direction i'm mm. facing in and like biking around really helps me with that and that feels like like 
that feels satisfying in and of itself. I don't know. Um, but so, yeah, I, I don't know like about different kinds of bikes. I just get around on my like single speed bike that I bought a few years ago. That was like the cheapest one in the shop that I went to or whatever. I used to, um, bring a bike on tour all the time. Mm. And I learned cause I sometimes run on tour, but I used to ride my bike and I learned that riding a bike is the best way to see any city. So true. Because if you're running or, or walking and you make a mistake an hour into your walks, it takes a long time to fix it. But on a bike you can fix, you know, you can change your mind really quickly and, and, when that dawned on me, I remember I was in Sacramento. I was like, somewhere I didn't want to be in Sacramento. I was like, oh, this will just take five minutes to correct Yeah, this. yeah, it's totally. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. My bike advocacy segment here. Yeah, I, no, totally, totally bike-filled. <laughs> Everyone should be bike-filled. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, um, congratulations on this record, and uh, it was great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. It's out on Sacred Bones, a great record label. Um, when you get out there, travel safe. And maybe I'll see you on the uh, East Coast. I doubt we'll be on bikes. But, um, <laughs> I'll look for your shows as I'm out there. Yeah, I'd love to see you. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.